you've not been here, I'm going to give a little bit of a, of a review. Uh, and for the rest of us who have, I'm going to do it any, anyways. We need it. We need review. But we've talked about the purpose of spiritual gifts. We've talked about the substance of spiritual gifts. We've talked about the different categories of spiritual gifts, ministry, manifestation, and motivation. These three different categories, how they work, how they function, what they are. We've even gone into detail about all the gifts. And in some cases, we've gone into more detail than others. And so we have this huge conversation that we've been a part of. And as I was praying, I really sensed from the Lord to talk to you about what it means to walk in the Spirit, to walk in the Spirit. And we're people that when we give our lives to Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of us. The Bible says he makes us alive. We are now alive by the Spirit. We were dead in our sins and our transgressions, according to Ephesians chapter 2. We were dead on the inside, spiritually dead. But when we give our lives to Jesus, we become alive by the Spirit. And as those who are alive by the Spirit, we learn to be baptized with, filled with, and being led by the Holy Spirit in our life. And I've talked to you about this before, but we're learning to yield to the work of the Spirit in our life. God wants to flow through us, and we don't want to build walls to the river of God that wants to flow through our lives. And so what we're learning to do is yield to his work, and yield to his word, and yield to his ways, so that Christ can manifest everywhere that we go and everything that we do. And so we're people that are seeking and learning and growing into this place of walking by the Spirit, yielding to the life of the Spirit that wants to flow. Jesus said in John 7, 37, that out from our innermost being would flow rivers of living water. And we don't want to do anything to stop that flow. As we do that, God will begin to do things that, that we really want him to do. And so we have this term in the New Testament. It's all over the place. Walk in such a way. Walk in it. Walk worthy of the manner of which you have been called in Christ Jesus. Walk in the light and not in darkness. And there are passages where it talks about walking. It's all over the New Testament. It's even in the Old Testament. And they would use the, the term walk as a metaphor for a way of life. It's talking about the way in which we live. There are verses like Psalm 26, 11. He says, but as for me, the psalmist says, I shall walk in my integrity. So he's talking about walking upright and in righteousness. I will live a life of integrity. We're talking about walking in the spirit. We'll live a life yielding to the ministry, the person, the work of the Holy Spirit and all that he brings. Proverbs 8, 20, just to illustrate what I'm saying. I will walk in the way of righteousness. John 8, 12, Jesus said, Again, he spoke to them, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but he will walk in the light. Romans 6, 4, Paul says, therefore we have been buried with him, with Jesus, through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in the newness of life. He's talking about you and I learning to live in what Jesus paid for. It's a new way of living. But I want to tell you something. It's not automatic for you and I to live new. Just because we've been given new life in Christ doesn't mean we know how to live it out. And so we're learning how to do that every day. So it's important that you and I wake up in the morning and we say, God, I'm available to you. I'm alive in you. I'm open to you. I'm, 
I'm seeking, I'm asking to be led by you. It's, it's, a, it's a life devoted to, fixed on, focused on Jesus Christ. And through the person and the work of the Holy Spirit, you and I can live in the newness of life. It's vital that we come to a place where we, under, we understand this. Now, they talked about walking because they didn't have Cadillacs or buses or trains or planes or automobiles. They didn't have, in the ancient world, they didn't have a lot of transportation. And some had chariots and horses, but very few did. And so they walked everything, everywhere that they, that they went. And so walking was such a common thing. You'd, you'd see them use this metaphor in almost everything. When you read that word, you... We say it today and we don't, really know, we don't really know why, but it's an ancient metaphor based on the fact that it was their two feet were their transportation, but it's how they got around. Now in a conversation with the Galatian church, the Apostle Paul declares the very thing that we're focusing on tonight, and it, it's a conversation that's steeped in context, which I probably won't be able to share a lot of, although I could, and I would, and I would love to, but I want to read this to you just to talk about where we're going. And I, I basically have some talking points. I want to pour out my heart to you about this, all right? Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 says this. But I say to you, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out or fulfill the lusts or the desires of the flesh. Now, if you have a paper version of the Bible and you have a pen, you should underline Galatians 5, 16. If you have an iPad or a mobile device of any kind, and the option of highlighting it on your mobile device, you should probably do that to Galatians 5.16, because I want to read it to you again. But I say to you, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. I mean, that's a pretty powerful verse. Here's the question that we have. How do I walk by the Spirit? If I walk by the Spirit and I won't carry out the desires of the flesh, then I need to know how it is, how it is that I walk by the Spirit. <laughs> oh, man, save us a lot of time. For the flesh sets its desires against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. We're talking in, in a Jewish context. Some of us don't even necessarily know what he means by saying the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, uh, you know, all of that, all right? <laughs> and all of these things. And then he actually says, and things like these. In other words, he's like, I don't have to explain these things to you. You pretty much know what they are. But he goes on to say, of which I forewarned you, just as I have, just I have said, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now I want to say this. There are many people that actually believe this, and I, I would say that I probably agree, that when he says the fruit of the Spirit is love, that actually stands alone. And the byproduct of love is joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith. Love is actually the summation of all of these kinds of things. Love is the river and everything else that follows is, is the tributaries that flow from the river. And the way it's even structured grammatically would lead us to believe that. I can't say that with uh, complete authority, but it is my personal view that the fruit of the Spirit is love. And the tributaries of love are all of these other things. 
Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires because Jesus nailed our old nature to the tree. That's what happened. If we live by the Spirit, let us walk also by the Spirit. Let us not become boastful, challenging one another and envying one another. And then he goes on to talking about some of the disputes that they had among themselves. And they had some major problems. Most of these were a group of Jews that had met Jesus And obviously, Jesus fulfilled the law. He didn't do away with the law in the sense that the law wasn't good, but he fulfilled it. So no longer do they have to practice animal sacrifices. No longer do they have to practice some of the things that that they were practicing that spoke of and prophesied about Christ's coming. Christ fulfilled all of those things. The righteous requirements of the law were fulfilled by one perfect man named Jesus Christ because he was more than a man. And so what he's trying to tell them as they are a people who have been kind of persuaded to go back to practicing things under the law, he's telling them, somebody has bewitched you and tricked you that you think you can begin by living in the spirit because of what Jesus has done, but now you can say, hey, thanks God, I got it from here. In other words, let me just make it more practical. When we give our lives to Jesus, it's because we need him. Right? It's not, it's not like an option, okay? It's not like uh, I want to add Jesus to my life. It's that Jesus is our life. He's the way, the truth, and the life. So when we come to Jesus, it's because he's the only perfect one. He's the one that satisfied the righteous requirements of the law. He gave his life in exchange for our life. It's amazing when people give like the, the call for Christianity and we, and we have to like press people down. It's like this is a, this, I mean, who's getting the bum deal out of this really? We're exchanging sin, death, hell, Uh, all of the things that we do bad when we're getting transformed from the inside out, we're giving all of that to him and he's giving us life, eternity, joy. I mean, who's getting the bum deal in this really, you know? I mean, it's like, I don't know if I want to give my life to Jesus. You know what I think it is, is that we don't see the beauty of Jesus. And if if the world saw the beauty of Jesus Christ, they would run to the altar. And so what we want to do as a people is we want to get out of the way so that the world can see the beauty of Jesus Christ. You say, Ben, what are you talking about? I'm talking about a 19-year-old drug sex addict that was delivered overnight. Not because of what I did, but because of what he did. The only virtue that I had in this relationship with God was I said yes. I mean, he prepared a banquet and he just said, I bid you to come. I get to sit down and eat. And I was hungry. So I ate it all. I believed it all. And so he's talking to these and they're going backwards. They're going backwards. And they're trying to live on in the flesh. They're trying to live by their own strength. They're trying to live in some of the things that Jesus satisfied. Uh, They're going back into those parts of Judaism. And Paul's saying, who tricked you? Who bewitched you? Why are you going backwards? Jesus fulfilled this. Jesus satisfied this. The same way that you come to Christ is the same way that you live in Christ. You came to him because you needed him. You gave yourself to him and he gave his life to you. And so every day that we wake up, Paul's saying that you give your life to him, I mean, not salvationally, but relationally. Every day that we wake up, we say, God, I'm yours. Lead me. Guide me. Whatever you want to do is what I want to do. Wherever you want to go is where I want to go. My life is about your kingdom. 
You're Lord, and I'm coming under your kingship, your kingdom, your lordship, and this is what my life is about. Show me, lead me, guide me. That's what we're after, and the Lord is faithful to, to do that. Now, whether you say it that way or not isn't what I'm talking about, but that's our mindset. That's our mentality in Christ. We need him. We're after him. We're walking with him. We're his, and he is ours. That's what this life is all about, in Christ. And sometimes people can get off, you know, they start to perform for God instead of live with God. They live for God. That's not what we're called to. We're called to live with him. Everything that we do for God, we actually do with God by the power of God. So it's, ama it's an amazing life, and we get sort of askew often. And Paul's calling them out of that, saying, listen, that's not the way that, that, it, that it is. And this principle that he talks about, he says, if we live by the Spirit... Let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Now, I've been a Christian long enough to know that that isn't necessarily how I've lived every day. And I don't need a show of hands, but I'm pretty sure that you're in the same category. You're in the same boat. As we're people that are pressing in, we talked about spiritual gifts, we're people that are pressing in. We've, we've got to remember that these gifts are not our possessions. They're his expressions. And so we're expressing and manifesting Christ as we live this life. But I want to tell you tonight, the more that we're distracted or the more that we're trying to prove something, or the, instead of living from approval, we're living for approval. Instead of living in relationship with God, we're living for something. We're trying to live in a, in a way where we're getting something from God or proving something to God. When we live that way, we're not, we're not free. And so he's talking to them about freedom. And we need to start there. We're living in relationship with him. We're living out of that relationship with him. And so his heart is our heart. His work is our work. His word is, is what we're after, is what we want. This is what he's telling them. But we've got to learn to stay in step with the Holy Spirit. He's leading us, but are we listening? That's the thing. And I want to tell you something really clear, because I've been challenged on this, and, I, and I'm going to push back, okay? And you might not even know the conversation that I've been challenged. But I, I want to share some things. When you become a Christian and you're a disciple of Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit, you have everything you need for life and godliness. You have everything you need for life and godliness. But I'll tell you something, it's not automatic. It's not automatic. You don't wake up in the morning and know exactly what to do. We are growing in Christ. We're growing in faith, and we're growing in love, and we're growing under his leadership, his lordship. It's not automatic, friends. It's just not. I'm not the same guy today that I was a year ago. I'm not. I'm not the same guy that I was five years ago. Thank God. My wife's in the back saying amen. I'm not the same person. I'm growing in Christ. I'm growing in Christ. I have everything I need, but it doesn't mean I know how to use it. It doesn't mean I know how to apply it. And the more I grow in him, the more I walk with him, the more that manifests in every area of, of my life. And I want to say it to you like this is that it's not about, often we have like some places in our life where we're stuck or we're, we have sin. Like right now, you might have some areas in your life where you're sinning right now. You're doing some things that you're not proud of and you don't want written up on this screen right here. So we're going to write them up on the screen. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> and we're going to start with nothing. <clears throat> but we've got some stuff in our life probably, many of us do, if not all of us. We've got some stuff that we don't want on the big screen. But here's the reality is that instead of focusing on getting free from that, we've got to learn how to focus on following the leadership of the Holy Spirit. This is what he says very clearly. Walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. 
So everything that we're not called to do, the old nature, that part of us that we've been delivered from, set free from, forgiven from, everything that we've been forgiven from in Christ, it's not about focusing on stopping that. I'm not saying that we're not honest. That's, that's, not, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that we don't focus on, I need to quit this and I need to quit this. We've got to be really good at learning how to follow the Holy Spirit. And if we follow the Holy Spirit, we will displace all of these other things in our life. That's not a good preach. I'm telling you that's the way that it works. 17 years of walking with Christ, it took me a long time to figure out that I need to stop trying to stop everything and I need to start living the way that I've been called to live, focusing on the newness of life, focusing on the life of Christ, focusing on who he was and what he did and how he did it and how I can now do the same thing. Because I'm called to be like him, to be patterned after him, to be conformed to him. And I need to consume, be consumed by that. All of my energy and all of my efforts need to be put into that basket. Now, you might be going to a group or an accountability thing and all that. I'm not suggesting you shouldn't do that. I mean, that's maybe a way for us to have friendships and family in Christ. I'm not saying don't do that. But I'm just saying you, we, can get, we can drown ourselves in trying to fix our problems when Jesus has already paid a price for all of it. He paid a price for every last bit. Every sin you've ever committed, Jesus paid for it. So you wake up in the morning and you say, Father, thank you that I'm not who I was and that I am growing into the person that you created me to be. And if you've sinned and if you've done something that you shouldn't have done, you just say, Lord, forgive me for that. Thank you for your, forg your forgiveness. And you move on. You never question the forgiveness of God, ever. I've not lived one guilty day in my Christian life. I've sinned, I've done things I shouldn't have done, I've asked God to forgive me, but he's never condemned me. And I've never even felt like that. I've had difficult days, I've had hard days, but as I told you earlier, every day is a day of grace. Every day is a day of grace. Whether I did good today or not, I'm free in Jesus. I'm not free to sin, I'm freed from sin so that I can become who I'm meant to be. Now, you walk in the Spirit first by learning who you are in Christ, learning who God is, learning what Jesus has done, learning who you and I are. We've got to learn who we are in Jesus Christ. We have to. It's imperative that everything else happening in its proper time and place in our, in our world, in our life, the way, the way that we manifest life as we know it comes from our identity. It comes from who we are in Jesus. So Paul's like really getting at that. Our growth and change, change comes from learning to walk in the spirit. And you don't, you don't know exactly what, what that's like. Now, I want to digress a little bit because I was talking kind of more about the passage. But I want to talk to you specifically about how it is that we grow in our gifts. Because that's the conversation that we've been in. All right, I'm digressing a little bit from what I've just said. How do gifts grow in our life? How do we grow in this? Now, I want to tell you this because I have a purpose for doing it. The first is introduction. Now, if you have taken notes, you, you're going to want to write this down. The first thing is introduction. So we're introduced, and I'm talking about gifts of the Spirit. We're introduced to the gifts in various ways. Maybe somebody was telling us about the gifts of the Spirit or the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, the second is information. We learn about the gifts, scriptures, teachings. We come to IDS, whatever. I mean, it does, read a book. The third is demonstration. We see somebody minister in spiritual gifts some way, at some place. And we go, man, that's really amazing. Wow, they stepped out and they prophesied. I've never seen anybody do that before. Oh, they prayed for the sick. Wow, and somebody got healed. Oh, my gosh, that's amazing. I saw a demonstrator. Wow. You know, because not everybody, not everybody does that. Not everywhere you go is going to do that. Not, not everybody believes in that. 
And then number four is application. We begin to pursue the gifts. We learn to pray. We learn to listen. We learn to step up and step out in Jesus' name with the power of the Holy Spirit. Number five, and the last thing is called what I call integration. Everything's got a shun on it. Isn't that awesome how it works out? Exercise the gifts. Integration is where this moves into our life. This moves into our lifestyle. Now, I want to say something to you, okay? Introduction, information, demonstration, application, integration. You and I, we're on that scale at one, one level or another. A lot of us are at the place of integration. And here's what's going to happen. If we do not learn to walk in the spirit and exercise what God has given to us, we're going to go back up the ladder and go, maybe I need some more information. Maybe, I need, maybe there's a trick to this. Maybe I, need to, maybe I need to go to that other class from that other guy, from that other gal that's a little bit more anointed than that one dude. And they're going to give me a key that's going to unlock the door. I mean, maybe I should move to that state and go to that school and get that thing. Maybe I should do that. Maybe I should, like, totally unplug from my life for a year and go into the woods and pray so that God will give me everything that I need. Friend, listen. (laughs) It's funny, but I've watched this. I've watched this. I have watched people take their knowledge and make an assumption that their knowledge equals lifestyle, but knowledge doesn't equal lifestyle. Knowledge equals knowledge. And if you don't take your knowledge into a place where it's integrated into your life, walking in the Spirit, then you're going to go back to knowledge because we all can read a book and we all can attend a class and we all can get fatter heads, but it doesn't mean that Jesus is using us and it doesn't mean that we're going to live satisfied in our knowledge because knowledge is supposed to equal fruitfulness. And if we're not bearing fruit for the kingdom, we're unsatisfied. And we're left with a hunger that we cannot satisfy. We're left with a thirst that cannot be quenched because we were made to bear much fruit for the glory of God. That is what we are meant to do. And when we don't bear fruit, we are dissatisfied with our life, we are discouraged with our life, and we're wondering what's wrong, so we're going to look for a quick fix or a golden key to open the door that's not even there. We really just need to come back to a place where we know that what we know is supposed to be what we do. So that's why this is a very important list. There's an introduction. People get introduced to the things of God. And this could work salvationally as well. I mean, it could work in your life in Christ, but this is just talking about the gifts. Introduction, information, demonstration, and then we start to apply it. And then there's integration. And that's where it goes, I call it goes cellular. (laughs) It goes cellular, you know, like everywhere. When I teach on prophecy, um, some of my older teachings, I got to bring some of that stuff back. That was cool. I used to bring like phones out here and whatnot. Remember the days of illustrations? No? Mine were always cheesy anyways, but people got it, you know what I mean? Like I totally biffed it and blew it and didn't do a good job, but people always remembered it, even though I came off really dumb. <laughs> Probably a good thing. But I'd bring out like an old, like a, like a cordless phone and a, and a phone that had a cord to it. I'd say, you know, when you first learn about hearing the voice of God, like in a setting like this, it's got a cord to it. So it's like in this room, you learn how to hear the voice of God. And then it's like you take that knowledge and you start to step out a little bit more in hearing the voice of God and prophecy. And it's like a cordless phone. And it used to be like 900 megahertz, but now it's like five point bazillion gigahertz. So you can actually like be at the neighbor's house on a cordless phone. Not just to say somebody, anybody, I don't even have one of those. But you know what I'm saying. 
And so you can go, like, that'd be like the small group from church or something. That'd be like uh, the, the young adults group, or that'd be like the, the, the whatever. Whatever group you go to, IDS or, or something that's not like a Sunday service, you can go to these different little groups in the church, and you can minister prophetically. But how many of you know God wants to go cellular? So it's kind of like I'd bring out that Bluetooth. It's like where you're walking around. Remember when they first came out, and you'd be talking to somebody, and everybody would be like, what? <laughs> like, no, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, you know what I'm saying? Just. You know what I'm saying? I had one of those. People still do it today. I was walking down the road. I, I walk with the Lord, and then and I listen to some worship music. And I was walking down the street with just my iPhone ones. Or I, yeah, my iPhone ear, earphones that were in. And I was talking, and somebody kept doing that. They did like three times. They're like, huh? Do you not see the chords, brother? I mean, I mean, I didn't say that. I was thinking it, though. You understand? Because we can't, we shouldn't talk like that. We're Christians. We don't talk like that. But I was thinking it. And I was like, walk by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit. He didn't see the chords. He didn't see the chords. Shirt's blue, chords white. I don't, I don't know why he didn't see it, but he didn't see it. It's fine. It's totally fine. Your problem's not my problem. I get it. But you understand, like, what we need to do is get to a place where it's integrated into the life that we live, where we work, where we live, the neighborhood that we're in, the places that we go, the places that we shop, the Starbucks that we go to. And it's not compulsive. Uh, I, I, I've trained a lot of people like in hearing the voice of God and, and praying for the sick. And sometimes people get really excited, so they're very compulsive. They'll go to Starbucks and they just like, oh, I just got to cut loose on a word right now, you know, because they have not done it for like weeks, you know. So they're like, I got to do it right now. You just got to calm down. Hey. Calm down. Don't lose my witness to this person that I've been building a relationship with for six months because you feel compulsive. Right? Just say, it's all good. Like, I mean, I want you to cut loose and everything, but be, be normal too. But like, because we want to like talk to them tomorrow. So you know, what I'm, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I love blessing bombs. You can go out to the mall and never see people again. But you know what I want to do? I want to see a society changed. That means that I got to learn that person's name and I got to go back tomorrow and I got to invite them into something. One of the things I'm starting to do now and I'm, I'm going to go back to, I've done it before, is invite people to lunch. You know, just random people that you're meeting. Hey, would you go out to lunch with me? I just really think you're a cool dude. Would you, would you do that? I'm not mean to be weird. I just want to get to know you better. I, I used to do that. I haven't done that for a long time. I was telling my friend John Hammer that's what I'm going to start doing again. It used to work. And then I would give him the whole gospel presentation and the whole deal. I believe in this gospel. I mean, it's not a game to me. You know, I want people to hear about this Jesus. But it's got to be integrated. Whatever the gifts of the Spirit are, they've got to be integrated into our, our life, right? Because God wants to use us in power. And, and so I want to give you some principles on how to walk in the Spirit daily. Are you ready for this? This is really helpful stuff. I promise you that. This is, will help you to, to walk in the Spirit every day. The first one I already talked to you about was your identity. That's very important. If you have anything... Uh, if you need to figure some of that stuff out, it's just really about time with God and time in his word for identity. But here's one principle that I think is very helpful in walking in the spirit. Exercise the faith that you have right now. Exercise the faith that you have right now. A lot of people are waiting for more, and the reality is, is that you need to take what you have and give it away. Believe God for the little that you have. I remember I was at a church in California and I was ministering on this principle or something kind of like it. I just retrofitted for a church that I was at. And I just said, some of you right now, all the faith that you have for God to do something in your life, 
All the faith that you have is just that you'll stand up if I were to say, hey, stand up if you want to be set free of X, Y, Z, or if you want God to do something in your life. I just want you to stand up. I said, for some of you, that's all the faith that you have. And we don't want to put that down because that's just where they were. You know, I, could, I just sensed that. And there was a gal that stood up, and she didn't even want to stand up, didn't probably like me at all or any of that. But she had enough faith, faith as little as a mustard seed. That's all she had. She stood up. God delivered her from her physical condition. She was a runner, and she had something happen with her knee and her ankle, and she hadn't ran for five years. This is a church that I go to regularly, so this is a community. They know this gal. She hasn't run. She, she was identified as a runner. She hadn't run for five years. She had some, her, her, her knee and her ankle, and I just prophesied. I said, if you stand up tonight, if you just stand up, just faith is a mustard seed, God's going to do something in your life. She stood up and got completely healed that night. Listen to this, though. Then, and I didn't know about it, which was, you know, probably good, but I didn't know about it. They sent me an email later from a blog that this gal had written after she had run a marathon. And so she talked about her whole, and I read the whole blog, and, and uh, it, it was funny because when it mentioned me, it was like some guest speaker from I don't know where. It was so cool. I was like, I was like that's how it should be. Some nameless, faceless nobody that just provoked me in the spirit to do something that I didn't want to do. But Jesus healed me. Here's what I want to tell you. We look at people on platforms and we listen to testimonies and we often get discouraged because we don't live like they live. But I want to tell you, God wants to encourage us that we need to learn to exercise the faith that we have right now. Don't wait for God to give you more. Take what you have. And this is what Jesus said in Luke 17, 5. He said, the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. There's that word. Give us more. I don't believe enough. Give, give, me, give me more. And look, listen to what Jesus said. And it was in response to this whole conversation about forgiveness. But apply the principle. If you had faith like a mustard seed, you would say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Here's the principle that Jesus just said to them very strategically. It's not about me giving you more than you have. It's actually about you taking what you have and planting it, and it will grow and become greater than it is. Because in the seed, when you plant it, it becomes more. He, he used this very strategically. He gives us faith, and then when we plant it, it grows. See, what they were saying was what a lot of us say at times. Increase our faith. Give us more now. Give us more ahead of time. And he's like, if you just had this, if you just took this and planted the little that you had, I would do something great with it. See, I think what we need to do is learn how to take what we have and be thankful for it and plant it and watch it grow. Instead of looking at other people, by the way, comparison will kill you, it will kill you. Don't do it. Don't do it. Take what we have and plant it. I see people stay in the same places for five years. Don't stay where you are for five years. Don't. And don't do this either. Don't you dare think your knowledge means that you know something in, in terms of the life that you're living. I'll tell you, that is tricking a lot of us. I mean, it's amazing how we think that we're somewhere that we're not. Deception, that's the thing about deception, it's really deceiving. <laughs> Knowledge is important, but it equals, is meant to equal fruitfulness in our life. And the more honest that we are 
not in a negative way, but the more honest that we are about where we are and where God wants to take us, knowing that there's a gap there, God will empower us to take that step. And it has to do with taking what we have and planting it. This is what he says. God resists the proud. Two times he says this in James and Peter. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. I actually think he's not talking about the kind of pride that we often think of, where somebody thinks they're better than other people. That's often what you and I think of when we think of pride. Oh, that person thinks that they're better. They think they're more holier than me or more right. That's not what, I don't think he's talking about that at all. As a pastor, I can tell you that the biggest pride that we have in the church or the biggest pride that we have as Christians often is that we don't ask for help. I think that's the biggest pride. I don't think it's like, man, I just think I'm better than all you suckers. You know, I don't think that's it. <laughs> I don't think that's the pride that we have. I mean, if you have that, then we, we can, we, we're going to pray after the service. We're going to drive that thing right out of you, hopefully. That's not a good thing to have, you know. And you know if you have that when you, when you actually use the word stupid and idiot about other people. If you ever use those words, then you definitely think you're something. And don't, don't lie about that. So if you say, that person's an idiot, don't ever say it. You know what I'm saying? Jesus never said that. And he's the one that actually could say it about all of us. <laughs> and he never said it. So. Well, how did that shoe fit? Take what you have. Take what you have. Can you take what you have and plant what you have? The answer to that is yes. It's not about prominence. Remember, it's about significance. Right? Everything in the kingdom is significant. Everything that we do in the name of Jesus is, is significant. It doesn't have the same level of prominence, but they're not the same thing. And so if we would just learn to take those seeds and realize the power in the seed. Somebody's life can be changed if I say something. Somebody's life could be transformed if I do something. If I take the little that I ha something can happen as a result of that. We've got to believe God for what we might deem as little things, realizing that they're actually massive things in the kingdom. They grow to become great. Exercise the faith that you have right now. Here's the second thing. Obey right away. And that rhymes, so you know that's right. Hmm. Obey right away. When you're learning to be used of the Spirit, um, when, you're, when you're learning to walk in the Holy Spirit, he will prompt you, um, he'll speak to you, he'll give you a thought, a vision, an impression, you'll feel compelled, you'll, you'll, you'll sense something from the Holy Spirit, and I just want to tell you, don't fight whether or not it's God, just believe that it is God, and if you're wrong, he'll still honor you. I know people hate it when I say that, but it's just really true. It's just really true. People are like, well, I don't, I don't, know, if, I don't know if it's the Holy Spirit. I'm, I'm not sure if I feel lead. We, we've said this from years ago. We'd always say, put a, put, a, put a thing of lead in your pocket, and every time you want to feel lead, stick your hand in your pocket. <laughs> and then just do whatever you're supposed to do. <laughs> I don't feel lead. Oh, I do now. <laughs> All right. <laughs> On with it. Anytime you want to love somebody... In Jesus' name, the answer is yes. If you want to know if God's going to show up, if you set your heart to loving people and doing something for somebody, God will do something. He may not do it right then and right there. That doesn't matter. This isn't McDonald's. We're not looking for instant results all the time. Don't, don't get sucked into that. Just give away what you have. Give away what you know. Share life with people. 
And talk to them normal, by the way, right? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Remember that when you're talking to people. Talk to them in a way you like people talking to you. It's important. It's so vital. People are just waiting to be loved. People are waiting to meet Jesus. They're waiting to hear something about their life. Prophetic insights that you and I carry because we know the one that knows everything about everyone. And we're carrying that. It's incredible, right? So obey right away. I'm not sure if that's God. I'm just going to do it anyways. That's what I would tell you. I'm not sure if it's God. I'm just going to do it anyways. I'm not sure if what I have to share is going to be from God. Learn to ask questions. That When I teach people on the prophetic, a lot of times we, we honor like how supernatural something has to be. So it's like, like when I was at um, Cheesecake Factory, uh, I used to go there a lot more often. And then I decided I had to lose weight. So I don't go there anymore. But when I used to and didn't care about that. I was, uh, I was with some guys there, and we were, I think we were in Florida, but anyways, it doesn't matter. Uh, Cheesecake Factory is pretty much the same all over the world. Thank you, Lord. So we were there, and I was with a bunch of guys, and as this, the, the waitress came up to us, and I wasn't like, oh, God, give me a word for the waitress. Give me a word for the, I just, I want to l- walk in the spirit, which means I'm always living this way. And I'm not saying I do that all the time, but that's what the goal, that's what we're about. That's who we are. We're people of the spirit. So we're listening all the time. So I just, you know, in my, as she came to the table, I just had this sense, something about her sister. And that was it. Just this impression hit me, something about her sister. That was all I had. Now, you're either right or wrong. That's either God or it's not. So I pressed in. She came back, and I just said, hey, um, I know this sounds crazy, but I just strong sense when you walk to the table, there's something going on with your sister. And the minute I said that, I had this download of thoughts about this sister that I didn't even know existed. It was like, brrrr. And as I shared that with her, she stopped, put her hand on the table to hold herself up and started to cry. Who are you? Do I know you? All that kind of stuff. I said, well, you just, you know, Jesus loves you. We went down the whole road. I shared my testimony with her, prayed for her. It was amazing. That kind of stuff. That can happen all the time. It doesn't have to be an event. It doesn't have to be even something that I remember to give testimony to. It's just a way of life. And whatever it is, whether it's healing or it's love or it's acts of kindness or whatever it is, prophecy, anything, just whatever comes from the Spirit. We walk in the Spirit. There are times where the Lord will touch my heart to give X amount of money to somebody or whatever. I'm not trying to lose my reward, so I won't tell you times and places and instances. But maybe this happens to you, and the Lord will just do that. And I'll tell you, like, there's nothing that we question more at times than money. I don't know if that's God. You know, I mean, I'm not, I mean, that could just, that just could have just been my little good heart. You know? But what if you just went for it? So I try to do that. I try to just go for it. I I try to just write the check. I try to just do the thing. And then I'll go up to the person. I'll say, hey, you know, I know you don't know me and I don't know you. I just really felt like I was supposed to do this. And I want to give this to you. I'm not trying to be strange. I just want to tell you that God loves you. And the reason that I do the things that I do is because Jesus loves me and I know that. And then I get to share, usually I get to share my testimony and to a degree the gospel, not always. We just go from there and walking by the Spirit, walking in the Spirit is about obeying right away. Any compelling that you have, yes and amen. If we would just do that, I think our life, it would be less complicated. Too many people are like, is it God or is it just cancel the debate and live, okay? And God will teach you in the doing. 
more than you know right now. I think the debate gets solved when you step out and realize, okay, maybe that wasn't God. Awesome. <laughs> you know, because it doesn't, doesn't happen. And it's not always, that's not always what that means because I've stepped out before. And I remember one time I shared a word with somebody. And uh, it was a little intense. But it was, it, I mean, it was a positive word, but it was in, intense in its detail. And I shared it with them, and there was like two people standing right there, and, and they said, oh, my gosh, I don't know what you're talking about. And they kind of read me the riot, you know. And then their friend, after I got totally humiliated and embarrassed, and I said, well, I, I guess I missed that. I'm sorry, but God still loves you. <laughs> and um, her friend came uh, to me like, I don't know, maybe a minute or two later and said, I can't believe you said that. We were just talking about that in the car. You nailed her. I don't even know how she said that to you. And I'm like, thanks for telling me. That's awesome. I just <laughs> felt like an idiot. Appreciate. Vengeance's mind says the Lord. I appreciate you. Who you are to me is amazing. But you got to be cool with humiliation, you know, the rejection, right? Reject rejection. It's not, it's not a thing. It's, it's, it's not a big deal. What's the worst that anybody's ever going to do to you, honestly? You're going to say something like, you're an idiot. Once in a while. <laughs> I do st stupid stuff once in a while. I identify with that. <laughs> That's a good word. You're flowing in the prophetic too. <laughs> What's the worst, right? Like, uh, what we pay here is like nothing compared to what other people pay. And so I think that, you know, it's so important to learn how to obey right away. I can tell you a bunch of stories, but we don't have the time. I've seen some cool stuff just by this principle alone, obey right away. Just go for it. I was at a, I was speaking at this one event thing, and as I walked across the street after the event, I'm walking down into the parking lot, and there were these two recs, recreational Rex and Parks guys, so they had the jackets on or whatever. And I walked past them, and it was like I heard the Lord just real faintly speak to me, I want you to go back and talk to them. That was it. And I'm walking, I'm, I want to get home. I'm going to be real with you. I wanted to go home and be, you know, it was a long day. And I stopped. I, I mean, I definitely walked a couple extra steps. <laughs> I wasn't walking in the spirit, I was walking to the car. So I turn around and I and I walk back and I didn't have any I don't I don't I don't have anything to say to them. Right. But I'm equipped enough to know that God will do something if I just walk up. Because he told me to go back and talk to him. So I went back to talk to him. I'm like, hey guys, how you doing? And and they're like, yo, man, what's you know, what's up? You know, all that stuff. And and uh, and they were like just looking at me like, why is this guy here? And I didn't know. So, so we're just chatting for, a, honestly, it was really funny. We're chatting for a moment, and, and as I'm talking to the guy, there's, there's a guy, uh, one guy had a hat on, the other guy had big uh, earrings, big diamond earrings in, and as, I'm, as I looked at him, I just had this strong, like, impression about his family. And so I said, man, something's going on with your family. And he, he's like, huh? And as I said, sometimes it's as I say something, it all comes to me. At the first, once you pop the top off, you can't stop. 
And I said, something about your family. And as I said that, I got this strong download. And when I say download, I mean like sentences started coming through my mind. Just sentences. That's what they were. Just two or three sentences. I usually get one sentence. I had like two or three for this guy. Your sister is like in the ICU. She struggled from an overdose. And you guys thought that you were going to lose her. Your whole family's in disarray and you don't know what to do. Basically, that's what I said to him. And the guy's like, what? And I go, is that true or not? And he goes, yeah, who are you? And it was, you know, with a couple extra F things there. So, and, and I go, you know what, guys? I don't know you and you don't know me. But as I heard the Lord say to me, God, Jesus, you know, and they knew there was a Christian event there. I, I heard him say to me, come back and talk to you. And as I came back, this is what he spoke to me. And I believe I'm here to pray for you. And that God's going to do something in your life. He's going to do something in your family. He didn't tell me about that if he wasn't going to do anything. So I just told him boldly. And I've done that before a couple times where I'm like, God's going to do something in that situation. You just say it boldly. And you're putting his name on the line in, in a sense. You shouldn't do that frivolously, but I, but I, but I did. You know, it's a, that's a serious situation. Somebody's like in the ICU dying. And, um, and so anyways, uh, I said, can I pray for you guys? And the dude just takes off his hat. He didn't even say yes. He just took off his hat. And before you know it, I'm just praying. And I went for it. I'm like, God, would you just touch her? And, you know, I didn't even know. It was great. And then I shared my testimony with them. I shared the gospel. And, and uh, I told them that Jesus came. He gave his life to forgive us of our sins, to restore us to a right relationship with God as our father. And it's not about religion. It's about knowing him and having a relationship with him. And now we have a family of our own. And as I shared that with them, you know, they didn't give their lives to Christ, but, I mean, I, I, didn't just de- I, didn't, I didn't just plant a seed. I planted a palm tree in that guy's life. You know what I'm saying? I just, <laughs> I mean, at some point, this guy's saying yes. I never even had anything like that happen to me. And I, I knew that it was all about obeying right away. You, you never know what's on the other side of your obedience, but you do know that something is on the other side of your obedience. And that's what it's all about. I'm introverted. So what? I'm extroverted. Just calm down. <laughs> <laughs> we all have something to give. And it can be who you are. It doesn't have to look like anybody else. It can look like you. And God will use you. Who you are and what you are. He will use you. You don't have to be like anybody else. Don't even try. Don't even try. It's a waste of time. The anointing of the Holy Spirit, walking in the Spirit, is all about you and I being who we are in Christ, who we are, where we are, and stepping out with what we have. And God will bless it. It's like five loaves and two fish. He will bless it when we give it away. And it's in the giving away that God will do something miraculous with what we give. But not until it was distributed did the miracle happen. Obeying right away is that principle. It's so vital. And the last thing I'll share with you, Andrew, you can come, is pray and fast. Pray and fast. Now, I want to say this to you. We're not praying and fasting to, like, twist God's arm. But I'll tell you this. When I fast, God moves. I don't know how else to say it. I know there's a lot of, for for whatever reason, the last several years, there have been a lot of people that have put down fasting. I think it's because they just don't want to fast. I mean, I relate to that. I like food. Don't mess with my food. But when I fast, I see God move. 
I can't explain it. It's like speaking in tongues. When I, people say, well, why do you speak in tongues? I speak in tongues. When I speak in tongues, when I pray in the spirit, I hear revelation. I just do. I, I don't know how to explain that. And we don't have to be wild, you know. We don't have to scare people. <laughs> if you don't speak in tongues, I'm not going to scare you. So don't walk out at this moment because I'll know. But there are things that I've learned by walking in the Spirit that you can't actually learn unless you walk in the Spirit. In other words, unless you live this way, you'll, you won't learn it. Right? There are things that he says, walk in the Spirit and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. But as you walk in the Spirit, there are things that you learn that aren't about knowledge. They're about acquiring as you do what he told you to do. And you don't have to do it perfectly. It's just as you do it, there are things that begin to make sense. There are things that begin to happen. And all of a sudden, you're like, wow, that's what that was about. But if somebody told you before you did that, you wouldn't have gotten it because you weren't doing it. I mean, I can talk to you about prayer and what happens in the secret place or whatever, and you're like, oh, that's really cool. I'd really like that. But until you taste it, until you acquire a taste for it yourself, you fully don't understand it. So it's not about God, you know, favoring some and not favoring others. It's that God gives everybody everything that they need to live this life, but some don't do anything with it. That's the truth. You say, well, I, I thought we're all the same. We are all the same, but what we do with what we have is not the same. You say, well, how do you know that? Because he said to a group of people, Walk by the Spirit. Some people would and some people wouldn't. But every one of them had the capacity and had the power to do what he was saying because they were all in Christ. They were all in Christ. When we are restored in re to relationship with God in Christ, here's what I believe. I don't believe that God forces and coerces all of that's going to happen in our future. I believe that you and I are restored back to choice. But before we meet Jesus, we don't have the choice to live in righteousness because we're not righteous. We have this imputed darkness in our life, this old nature, this sin nature is what some call it, or this sinful way of living. That's what we have. My son at one years old says no. Nobody ever taught him that. It just comes out of him. I'm like, you little sinner. You just... And then he looks up at me and goes, Psh. that's what he does. Never gave him a gun. What happened here? <laughs> but when we're in Christ, what happens, and don't be confused about this, what happens is you receive the Holy Spirit and you receive the power of God and now you're able to choose. Whereas if you didn't know Jesus and you hear walk in the Spirit, you don't have the choice to walk in the Spirit. In Christ, now you can choose what you couldn't choose because of what Jesus did for you. Jesus made the way. Jesus paid the price. Jesus brought us in. But now we're in, and he teaches us how to live. And we have the power to steward that place. But he helps us all the way through it. And I'll tell you, a component of this is we need, we need one another. Prayer and fasting is so vital. It's so vital. It's not negotiable. Friends, hear me. This isn't a legalism talk. I'm just telling you. If we don't learn to, to spend time with, with God, 
if we don't learn to fast and to pray, not because we need something from him for ourselves, we're already satisfied in Christ, but because we're in kingdom partnership with seeing that kingdom expand into the world, we're on mission with God, and when you're on mission with God, you begin to hunger for the world having what you have, and that's why you press in, and that's why you pray, and that's why you seek God. It's no longer for yourself because you have what you need, but it's for the world around you, and when you do that, you begin to see God move heaven and earth to see see people come alive in Jesus name that's why prayer is vital that's why what Jesus taught us to do you remember what he said he said when you pray right say our father relationship is the first component of prayer our father that would blow your mind right there who is in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in, in, in heaven Jesus said pray this he didn't just say, well, it's, I'm going to do it anyways. Don't do anything with it. He said, pray. When you pray, ask for God's will to manifest in the world around you. And when we begin to do that, instead of, start, instead of just praying about little things for our own lives, I'm not putting that down. We all have needs. But I feel like there's just this like, confusion that happens because we're too busy praying for the little things in our own life. And if we start to get on mission with Jesus and we start to pray for our neighbors and our family members and our world, when we start to pray about this stuff, God begins to move and his will and his kingdom expands, which is really what we're hungry for. And it's why we want spiritual gifts, not to feel spiritual or to be powerful, but to see the power of God manifest so that people would meet the living Christ. He's no longer in a tomb. He's alive through his people. So I'll leave you with this passage. Acts chapter 4, verse 29, when the church had been born and they were gathering together you know, Peter, I believe it's Peter and John ended up in prison because they healed somebody in Acts chapter 3. And so they came back and were restored back to the brothers and they're, and they're in this time of prayer in Acts chapter 4 verse 29. Listen to this. They're, they're praying and he says, they say, and now Lord, take note of their threats. There was opposition. Take note of their threats and grant that your bondservants may speak your word with all confidence. They were asking God to give them confidence because there was threats. There was opposition. You ever had any opposition? You know there's some opposition. People are going to oppose what you're going to say. This is what they did. They prayed that God would give them courage. While you extend your hand to heal and signs and wonders take place through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak the word of God in boldness. They were all crying out to God together. God, give us confidence. God, give us boldness. God, help us to say what we know to say. Help us to give the best news on the planet to people that are opposing it. We don't know why, but give us what we need, God. And perform signs and wonders and miracles that they would see the living Christ as we know him. And it says that the place that they prayed was shaken. And they went out and spoke the word of God in boldness. Is there a lack of boldness in your life? Hand over heart. Is there a lack of boldness in your life? I don't know what bold looks like for you, but it doesn't have to look like what it looks like for me. But the bold version of you doesn't happen without God coming and manifesting through your life as we walk 
in the Spirit. And one of the ways we walk in the Spirit is in fasting and prayer. I actually just believe this right now, that God will call some of us to fast once a week. I have a good friend, I know many of you know him, but his name's Todd White, and people look at his life and they go, oh my gosh, you know, I just want to be like Todd. You kind of look like Todd, man, brother, just telling you. You've heard that before, I bet. But people go, oh, I, 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 I want to be like Todd White, and I go, okay, here's the deal. He fasts every other day. Yeah, you heard me right. He fasts every other day. One day on, one day off. And when I say fast, he doesn't eat food. He doesn't listen to any secular music. He doesn't watch anything, television, movies, that could, that could defile his eyes. Not one thing. Not one little bit of secular music. He's completely against it. You wouldn't know that because he preaches just Jesus. But if you sit and you ask him, he's going to tell you. Anything sexually explicit goes out of his house. All that stuff. You, you, you see, a lot of people are like, well, that's legalistic. It depends on what you're walking in. It depends on what you want. You don't just walk in the Spirit because you're a Christian. You walk in the Spirit because every time He prompts you to do something, you take that step. You cut that out of your life. And you stop trying to justify that something's legalistic or not. It's love. It's relationship. It's kingdom expansion. And so for God to fill you more, He's going to empty you a little bit as well. You're growing into this. We're growing into this. To be filled with God means we can't be filled with other things. That's just the way it works. I'm not here to criticize what you are or are not filled with. I'm here to promote the thing that we're to be filled with. But prayer and fasting is essential. I think a lot of matters would be handled if we just prayed about them, quite frankly. And I think we just tend not to. So we complain about them or we talk about them or we call up a friend and we, oh man, I can't believe this is happening. First question we should ask our friends is, let's, did you pray about that? Let's pray about that. Now let's take that to God. See, he wants to do something about that. He might change you as a result of your prayers. That, that might be what he's going to do, but, but prayer is going to change somebody. So I want to just close by this, okay? Walking in the Spirit is what we're called to. As we talked about the gifts of the Spirit, we're not going to walk in the Spirit, right, if we're just focused on the things of the flesh, our past, who we were, what Jesus has delivered us from. In the head.